What's up, everyone? I'm Doug Kide. Welcome to Pat's Chat, joined here, as always, by Michael Hurley. Mike, how are you doing on this fine Thursday evening around 5.36 p.m.? Uh, I'm a little cranky. Cranky? Little cranky, cranky Mike again. What are you I cranky a, about this time? I had tomorrow off, um, mm-hmm. ski trip, New Hampshire. One thing about tomorrow, I know this is dating the podcast, is that it's going to be like zero degrees, mm-hmm. which is fine. Uh, I mean, I've skied in that before, but the, the winds are probably going to shut things down. So the ski trip is canceled, and I'm cranky about it. That's a bummer. I'm sorry about that. I wish you could go on your ski trip. You know, these are the trials and tribulations of life, and we must persevere. But Olivia's got my daughter Olivia has a uh, roller kingdom excursion on Saturday, and mm. I'm curious to see if that gets canceled, even though it's indoors. But it's going to be very, very cold, and it's at the Hudson Roller Kingdom. Wow! And the only times I've ever been to the Hudson Roller Kingdom uh, were for like hardcore punk shows. So it's going to be a, like, a oh, weird return. Yeah. Right, just Jam's last show there, Guns Up's last show there, and then Olivia's roller skating experience. The, the smell is going to permeate your nostrils and just <laughs> send a lot of memories through your head. It'll be weird for you. I, I hope there's like a plaque there memorializing <laughs> Guns Up and Righteous Jam's. And if there's not one, then I'm going to put one there. I would say bring it around. I would say BYO plaque on that Yep. One. All right, well, let's talk about the Patriots. Uh, Tom Brady... A uh, long-time Patriot, former uh, six-round pick former for the Patriots. Um, yeah, pro quarterback, retired. Yes. And this time, it's for real, he claims. Or is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I There was, like, so little, like, shazam with this retirement. He just, like, tweeted out a video at 8 a.m. on a Wednesday that yeah. it would be, like, it would be weird to walk back from this one, I feel like. So... I mean, yeah. sure, there's always a possibility that he could pull up. How many times did Brett Favre retire? I feel like once was for real, for real. All the other times were like the wishy-washy unsure. I feel like there was right. one real one. And then I have to get my years fixed on that. I don't know. There was a lot. <laughs> uh, what's his name from ESPN? Basically lived down in Mississippi outside of his home. Just like yes. reporting from the driveway every day. It was It was a good time. I think I've probably said this before. That was like, that was college. That was like 2007-ish, right? Might have been high school and college, to be honest with I, you. I say that like everyone went to college from 2004 to 2008, <laughs> like we did. Yeah. Like, but as, as it's known in the annals of history, college, 04 to 08. But like, I, I, I hope that no one gets offended by me saying this, but that's like right around the time that I stopped watching like, like sports talk shows on a day-to-day basis, like before that. I was yeah. a big PTI guy, and like I just got so burned out of Brett Favre watch that I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I could probably follow sports through like podcasts or through like Twitter, which didn't exist yet, or like like other forms. I don't need to watch a Brett Favre coverage every single day. Um, but right. that's let's get back to the point here. Uh, how does this relate to the Patriots? It means that Tom Brady will not be playing pa- uh, quarterback for the Patriots yes. in the year twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's um, most likely going to be Mac Jones and or Bailey Zappi. Which we might have talked about in the podcast. I have we I say this every time. Like We might have talked about this. Maybe I should have some idea of what we talked about, but I don't know. I guess I talk nah. a lot. I, I think we might have put it at single-digit percentage, the chances of Brady mm-hmm. playing for the Patriots next year. It was just a really cool 8% chance. Like It was the most <laughs> fun 8% chance you could have. Um, but I, I never saw that as a, as a real possibility, just a, sort of a fantasy fan fiction type ending. But 
you know, uh, it's, I didn't, I didn't, we, we prepare for these things, but I didn't have this in my mind until you started talking about it. It's like, so he retired at 45, just like he's been saying for eight years, <laughs> just like he's planned for eight years, just like he announced in 2014, like I want to play till I'm 45. Well, the he Patriots, threw the curveball last year, to be fair. I, I'm just saying, yeah. and the Patriots heard that and they were like, eh, mm, mm, we're going to give you this incentive laden deal. We're going to go year to year at 40. Eh, we don't really know about you. When if they had just signed him to 45, they would have had the man for his whole career. So um, I know we're not going to rehash the spring of 2019 and the summer of 2018, but excuse me, the summer of 2019 and the spring of 2020. But I don't know. Uh, they're going to try to fix it now, I'm sure, and, and memorialize him as a, as a great Patriot, wh- Patriot, which he was. But I, I still think it, it's a it's an unfortunate thing that his career was not start to finish in New England. Should I also bring a plaque to Gillette Stadium? Like Tom Brady played here 2000 yeah. to yeah, 2000. Yeah, it's hard to find much. Yeah. Um I yeah, it's I mean I'm I think that enough time has passed at this point where like I guess I'm kind of over the fact that he didn't play his whole career here, but it yeah. is like sort of worth talking about because it easily could have happened. Like you said, if they had just like trusted the man that he could keep playing until he was 45. They would have had certainly a better quarterback in 2020. Oh, come on. Better? Come on. <laughs> I I don't want I don't want the the Cam Newton supporters to be listening to this podcast. So, yeah. um, I miss Cam Twitter. Cam Twitter was wild cuz like Betty Love, I, Partridge Lady? Yep. The Oh, well, that's Shout like ex- to them. that's extreme Cam Twitter. <laughs> like I wrote a story a couple months ago and I might've had one line about Cam not playing well in 2020. And it was like a 2000 word story. And some, one of those extreme Cam Twitter users came after me, like came from my head. And I was just like, Oh my God, I think I have to finally hit mute. Like enough is enough. No one's going to feel bad for us because we like, were covering no, no, the no, but, for living the time, uh, like covering sports. But like, that was a, that, uh, that was a Cam Twitter's dangerous. It's dangerous to like cause... to properly evaluate what was happening on the field because like you couldn't I like obviously you had to say what was happening but if you yeah. played it down the middle and you didn't say that Cam was horrible and you didn't say that Cam was great like you would get it from both sides exactly. that like you were not being harsh or like or or um like you weren't praising him enough yep. if you played it directly and down the middle Doug and Boston typical Boston racist if like Cam throws like a pick on a screen pass it was like I'm sorry. I just said he threw a pick on a screen pass. Like, I, I please stop attacking me. This job sucks right. now. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it, it was a tough year, but I, I, I was and COVID year, didn't but... help and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean like, yeah, the Patriots would have had a better quarterback in 2020. They would have had a better quarterback in 2021. They would have had a better quarterback in 2022. Um, and yeah, they, they blew it. I, I think that it was probably mostly Bill Belichick. I don't think that that was a, a major Robert Kraft decision. I think Tom Brady probably had something to do with it too. Like I can't put a hundred percent of the blame on Bill Belichick. Uh, some of it probably goes to Tom Brady, but I think everyone kind of blew it. I mean, Tom Brady got to win a Super Bowl somewhere else, so he's probably happy, but um, I don't know. It, it probably shouldn't have ended this way. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, in going through all the, cause I didn't do the oh my god Brady retired cycle again we did that last right. year so I basically went through older stuff stuff from last year stuff we went through and in the course of that I came across a story I wrote after the 2019 season remember Brady's numbers sucked in 2019 um, 
coincidentally, he pretty much only had Julian Edelman. Uh, his tight end room, they got Ben Watson That's out of retirement good. with Matt Lacoste. Oh, you know, you want to talk about the no succession plan for, for Brady. There was no succession flip plan for Gronk, who they tried to trade in 2018, and there was still no succession plan. So not great there. But over the course of that, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I used to do good work. I'm um, just kidding. Um, I, I just sort of highlighted all of these throws from 2019 that showed Brady still physically was mm-hmm. as good as ever. Sorry. Um, and I said, you know, any team that wasn't interested in, which was a lot, were bozos mm-hmm. and clowns. Mm-hmm. And I get a reputation maybe in the New England market for, for, for overly praising the Patriots or whatever, but I put the Patriots right in that mix for, think, for looking at Tom Brady and saying, nah, no, no, not thanks. what this team. Yeah, and I just think that's it is a failure. It is a miss. Um, it's certainly been hashed out plenty by now, so we don't need to spend our whole day on it. But no, that's that's an unfortunate ending. So I think well, the, the, the wild is, thing too is that like you just mentioned, there was no succession plan for Tom Brady, but like the plan was Jarrett Stidham and who was the backup at that point? It was Hoyer back? So Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. And then they signed Cam Newton on like July 4th. Like it wasn't even like they were like, all right, March 16th, we're signing Cam Newton. This is our plan. It was like Jarrett Stidham. And then, yeah, if no one else signs Cam Newton, we'll sign Cam Newton. Too. It, there really was no plan. It was pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they signed Hoyer at the end of March. So it was like, we lost Brady. Got to get Hoyer. I don't know. It's it's uh, just an unfortunate thing. But I think with Robert <clears throat> Kraft speaking, saying he would sign him to a one-day contract yes. tomorrow – I do think, well, first of all, if and when they have a Brady ceremony, it needs to be its own event because they could sell 68,000 tickets to that in a second, like right, five seconds maybe. But that would sell out. People will go, and I think it's important for New England to have closure on that because mm-hmm. it's been kind of an awkward three years. Now, there's been like three camps. There's been the I still root for Brady jerseys. I feel like I'm part of it. There's been Tom Brady's dead to me. I hope he disappears off the face of the planet. And then there's been the kind of like, well, I'm a Patriots fan and Brady still exists. But Mm -hmm. through it all, there needs to be some sort of event that wraps it up and puts everyone back in sort of Patriots fan Tom Brady mode. And there's certainly 20 years of memories and success in their six banners that hang at Gillette that can bring everyone back together. And the one thing it requires is Tom Brady coming. And do you think Tom Brady comes back? for something like that. I think he would. Like I I feel like like feelings aren't that hurt over what happened in 2020. Like there was the whole meeting after last year's game. Right. Tom Brady's like commenting on Patriots social media posts. Like I think that it could have ended far uglier than it did. I think that there like other situations have ended uglier than the way that like like the Colts released Peyton Manning. Like the Colts really the beats that one. Yeah, at least the Patriots. And, and wait till you see what happens. What happens to Rogers uh, in the coming months? Right, going to be probably pretty uh, ugly as well. And I think that Tom Brady probably deserves a lot of credit for how things didn't end uglier, and that he didn't like say crappy things that he might regret at this point to the media or anything True. like that. Like he, he definitely. Um, played this the right way and like I, I don't I think that I don't know maybe an apology needs to be made like I don't know what would have to happen but like I I don't think it would be a problem for Tom Brady to come back my question on this is like clearly the Patriots need to retire Tom Brady's number 
like mm-hmm. number 12 clear like it, it needs to be like formally retired mm-hmm. but there's an awkward situation where the patriots have like seven numbers retired right now they have a but lot they, they don't acknowledge it but they don't hand them out and they're all guys who played like pre-1985 basically at this point and like most of them aren't even in the pro football hall of fame yeah i feel like they just need to do like a hard reset on on retired numbers in new england and like maybe it's it's tough because like i would say only retire the numbers of players who are in the pro football hall of fame but like ty law is in the pro football hall of fame and number 24 like joshua bledsoe was wearing number 24 last year like that's a great point but you you can't have like who's like you can't have I got Gino Capaletti number twenty, yeah. Mike Haynes number forty, Steve Nelson fifty seven, John Hanna seventy three, Bruce Armstrong seventy eight, Jim Hunt seventy nine, and Bob D eighty nine. Yeah, you can't have Bob D's number retired and Jim Hunt's number retired, but not Ty Laws. Like it's hey, Bob D made four Pro Bowls, Doug. Um <laughs> some of them with the Patriots too. Uh, one incredible. Two um, all all four with the Patriots. So like among those players. Like Andre Tippett's in the Hall of Fame, Mike Haynes is in the Hall of Fame, um, John Hanna's in the Hall of Fame. Like those guys, I think are fine. And Capaletti, like, who's like a foundational member, right? Gino Capaletti, and like granted, like no one is suffering from Bob uh, Bob D. It's Bob D. Yeah, Bob D. Bob D's number nine, number eighty nine, not being in circulation. Like not that many guys would have worn number eighty nine over the last few years. But like the numbers that are retired should probably be like in the stadium somewhere, right? It shouldn't just be this yeah. like unwritten these players have retired numbers. Yeah. Good point by you. Good point by it's you. It's bothered me for a while. I'm finally getting it on tape. Um yeah, and I mean this is not related, but um I just thought of the Bucks unveiling their Super Bowl win at the stadium last year was the funniest moment in sports history. It was like size six font on the ring of honor. But the point is they have a ring of honor and the Patriots have nothing of the sort. So it's a a fair point. Um, 12 should be on display, I think, forever because of obvious. We don't need to get into why. I I just think it's obvious. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it should be in the stadium. And I don't know. I, I don't. Why do you think they haven't fixed the retired number situation? Like because the the franchise is actually like respectable now when they retired all those numbers the franchise wasn't really all that respectable at the time Mm. so like you can understand why they retired a bunch of those numbers and like that that was like in lieu of a patriots hall of fame now the patriots hall of fame has existed for years and years and years and years like why have they not fixed this kind of weird unwritten retired numbers issue um if you want me to answer that i would say i don't know but it's a good question (laughs) and if you've seen the hall of fame with those like long tower video boards in the plaza there and bruce armstrong's up there and and whoever like mike rabel's up there right he's in there right they make no he's not in right yeah all the other guys got in yeah he's got to wait his turn yeah um well with brady they should at least waive the four-year waiting period um yes and waive the voting process because that's just a joke like <laughs> let someone else go in with him or on a different day in the same year because uh, yeah a different certain... day i think yeah, yeah like if it is rabel he shouldn't have to share with brady right they could do and there's such a backup at this point that you need right. you can't have tom brady getting in alone without a, a four-year waiting period yeah. like, it needs to be like brady or welker whoever it's going to be plus Brady. yeah 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 um i'm going to steal your question doug because yeah, we're going to talk about it anyway but what 
you, you put this in the notes. What was your yeah. favorite Brady memory? I'm sure you were going to pose it, but flip flip on you. What, what was your favorite Brady memory? I it's for me it's between the snowball, which mm. I know Raiders fans call the the Tuck Rule game, um, and the 2016 Super Bowl. And fun uh, fact. Yeah. I don't think I ever revealed this really publicly that much. I was at the uh, the Snow Bowl. This is my my ah! snow soaked program uh, from that game. Fleet Bank. Shout out to shout Fleet. Out. Foxborough Stadium. I've got it. I think uh, I've still got the ticket in here somewhere too. Um, last game ever at Foxborough Stadium. That is correct. My dad had promised me like Celtics or Bruins tickets or something for Christmas that year. And then we had heard, I had heard from friends at school, shout out Dan Goldberg, uh, I think it was Dan Goldberg, that you could like call the morning of a, of a game for the Patriots game and like get yeah. tickets because they released tickets beforehand. I don't know where those tickets even came from at the time. Uh, but my dad did that the morning of the Snowball game and we went and it was a lot of fun and it snowed a lot. Um, and my mom was talking about it today, how she was trying to pick us up on Route 1 because we didn't want to like pay to park and all that stuff. Sure. And there was just like like thousands of people who looked exactly like us with like mm. parkas and snow on their head. So it was a difficult situation for her to pick her, pick us up. Uh, but that was a fun game. We were sitting in the opposite end zone of the game winning field goal, but still fun to be there. So it would either be that game or the 2016 Super Bowl. And like as much nostalgia and everything is attached to the 2001 game. I think it's probably the 2016 Super Bowl just because like, I don't know. I was there for my job. I remember it better. And like, Cynthia I just was had there. the wherewithal of it being like so unbelievable that they could come back from that game and everything like that. Like the week right. itself was really fun too. Like covering wow. Super Bowls is fun, and that one was a particularly fun week. Uh, so that would probably be mine. I know it's not like specific, but just that whole game. I don't know. What was mm. what's yours? Well, first of all, my you said Dan Goldberg, and I'm like there was a Patriot uh, related Dan Goldberg, and I googled it. Of course, he was the lawyer they got during Deflategate, the Patriots. Um, so. <laughs> Still got it. Um, and you forgot to mention Cynthia, the security worker who told us we're both handsome at yes. Super Bowl 51. So you're a little biased. But so I think there's a general answer. And it was just like every week there was that Super Bowl 51 was obviously like sort of the pinnacle of what happened every week. But they'd be down 13 in the fourth quarter and you're just waiting to watch it. And so being right. there, uh, the, the Broncos overtime game when the Patriots took the wind in overtime, I remember asking Peyton Manning, like he was almost done with his press conference. And I was like, Peyton, you've gone against Tom a ton of times. He's done things like that a lot. Does it does it ever, you know, still surprise you at this point? And Manny gave me like the biggest eye roll of all time as he like <laughs> held in his puke. Um, so things like that, like it happens so often. But I, I'd say the number one was at the end of Super Bowl Fifty One when I'm walking onto the field. They had the stage set up, you know, with like mm -hmm. Terry Bradshaw and Goodell, and Brady was kind of in the back of it, and he was just hunched over arms down, sobbing hysterically for like seven seconds. And he, that was obviously the deflategate suspension year where I still am shocked that Brady handled that the way he did. Never, you know, he fought it as much as he could through the system, but never like called out Roger Goodell, never right. like just let it rip, never let his feeling. He just sort of held it in and kicked everyone's ass all year long, like maybe the best season of his career um, at 30... Uh, nine, 39, I think he was in 2016. So just to get that quick moment where he was like weeping, like his chest was like convulsing. And then he just goes like, Hup, and looks up and then he's like out of it. And it's like, 
I don't know. He obviously keeps that stuff sort of hidden. So to be there and get that view of it was sort of the pinnacle of like what he is and what he was about. And he won the Super Bowl that year. <coughs> Under circumstances, Doug, I mean, you were probably talking to people during the game. I was when it was 28 to 12. It was like, all right, well, at least they aren't embarrassing themselves. Right. Like, they're having a little. And then at 28 20, it's like, all right, well, they got their touchdown and two point conversion. They certainly can't do that again. Um, <laughs> So for us to have doubts about Brady's comebacks after what I said makes it all the more remarkable. So that, that's got to be up there, but there's definitely too many to count. But it was just really that reaction where it's like, oh, he is a human. He doesn't want us to know it. He right. does have feelings. He doesn't want us to know it. And he's a competitive psycho. So it all kind of came together in, in that one moment. Do you have a favorite Tom Brady like press conference moment? Yeah. Because I was kind of racking my brain about this. I do. And like there, and there's not a lot. Like if you look up like Tom Brady funny press conference, there's like there's not a lot of moments. He kept his emotions in check in those situations. There's the guy who's like, "Hey champ, hey champ, you did the two hand scamp down in Dallas with the boys from Big D." That, I mean, that was <laughs> funny, but not because of Brady. Um, right. I do have one. So yeah. it was January of 2015. A Baltimore was in for a playoff game uh, for what I still contend was the best game in Gillette Stadium history. And um, I asked John Harbaugh that night about the the ineligible receiver formations, and Mr. Harbaugh uh, went on and on and on about how it was deceptive and the league should look at it and all that stuff. And then I went to Brady's press conference, and he was at, and that's when he did the they got to learn the rules um, answer when asked about it. And he's like, I don't know, you're going to have to ask them. And I was like, oh, I did ask them. And uh, Harbaugh said it was uh, clearly deceptive and that the league's going to look into it. And Brady went from like, <laughs> to just like absolute piss and goes, I don't know what's deceptive about it. Um, so that was obviously the birth of Deflategate after that. So that was a, that was a pretty big one. And then the other one, Doug, one last is this was uh, I was in the locker room after I think they beat the Jets. Oh, no, no, they beat the Ravens in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, uh, 09 or 10, like when Brady had the long hair and Suggs and Ray Lewis hated his guts. I think it was 2010, whatever. Um, he was pissed off after the game. I think it was when he like was yelling at the ref. Suggs like dove at him low, and they threw the flag. It was like it was very heated. Might have been the Ray Lewis "Put your pants on one leg at a time" statement. Um, so Brady was just like furious after the game, and he was fuming, and you could tell. And he was walking out, and he had his little leather bag with the game ball on it, and he's walking to the podium. And I'm following to the podium, and he's like walking with purpose, not looking at anyone, just like absolutely pissed off. And then he walks out there, goes to the podium, and he's like. How's it going, guys? <laughs> and just pull, and then it ended, and he just walked off back to the pissed off and like down the hallway, and it's like, wow, this man is. This is why. Hi, this is how he does it. Yeah, there's no way that I could do that in those moments. Uh, one other, <laughs> just like like light moment was, I I was doing a story I think on like Nick Casario or something, or I like planned on doing a story on Nick Casario because Nick. I always thought it was funny that Nick Casario would like like throw as much as he did at practice as a right. like pseudo general manager. He was like, and you could tell that he took it like very seriously. He was like firing balls at wide receivers and tight ends and everything during warmups. And I, I like asked Brady, I was like, Oh, like we always see Nick Serio out there, like, like throwing to receivers and tight ends. Like you don't see that 
from executives that much. Like, what do you think of Nick Casario's form or something like that? And Brady was just like, oh, it is terrible. <laughs> like, I was expecting him to be, like, like super nice about Nick Casario's form, about Nick Casario being a former quarterback. And he just, like, ripped the guy's form to shreds. And I wonder if Nick <laughs> Casario, like, like, still thinks about that, being like, oh, man, like, you didn't need to do that, Tom. <laughs> like, I just thought that was That's so true. funny. Yeah, yeah, because you said Nick Casario took it very seriously. Nick Casario takes everything seriously, so yeah. that 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 checks out. Definitely. Um, I had a question on here as well, and it's it's kind of a weird question, but what teammate do you think was the most important to Brady's like career? Like, and you could go any number of ways. Like, you could say like what teammate helped him win the most Super Bowls? What teammate helped him develop the most? Uh, just like who do you think was the most important teammate to Tom Brady's career? I actually I, I wrote this I don't know a few years ago, and I think there's a case to be made that Julian Edelman is the second most important player in the dynasty era of the Patriots. And the mm-hmm. reason I say that to answer this question, there's a lot of great answers. I mean, Gronk would probably make a lot of sense because he's right. the best player and he played with them forever. But when the Patriots made Super Bowl runs in 2014, 16, and 18. Edelman was their best player in the playoffs. He was their mm-hmm. their offensive monster. In 2014, he had 26 catches, 281 yards, and a touchdown. In 2016, he had 21 catches, 342 yards, and a touchdown. And in 2018, he had 26 catches, 388 yards, and a Super Bowl MVP. So to me, as great as I thought Brady was, there was still the Super Bowl thing hanging over him before 2014. He, he hit four. He hit five. He hit six. Um, and, and I think Edelman was sort of the key piece to that. So if the if the big story on Brady is Super Bowls, um, I'm going Edelman there because he was really uh, a playoff MVP type player three times when they needed those Super Bowls. And I mean, in 2017, when they arguably had like maybe their one of their best rosters of that entire dynasty, Jill Edelman was not healthy. Uh, yeah. Was out for that season and they lost. And I don't well, think that's yeah, but uh, you know, if Edelman was healthy to play cornerback, they would that. have won that game. Yeah. Well, you know, he did it in 2011. So yeah, maybe yeah, maybe maybe Bill would have said, "All right, who do you have? Let's put Edelman in there before the before uh, before Jordan Richards or before Jonathan Johnson Batamosi." <laughs> Johnson Batamosi. I also think there's yeah. a personality connection with Brady and Edelman, where it's like yeah. they had the Bay Area thing. And they had the low draft pick, everyone doubt you type thing. Because people might say, like, Edelman's whole career was Brady. But, like, goddamn, Julian Edelman was an outstanding football player who probably doesn't get the credit he deserves because of the connection with Brady and because Brady was his quarterback. So I think someone that could come in with that background, take a verbal beating, work, work up to Brady's standards, it was, a, it was a perfect sort of second half of Brady's career match. I, I, like... I think some of the like Matt Light obviously was important having that like left tackle through the first three Super Bowls. Um, Gronk is probably my answer, just because I think that that like allowed Brady to some degree to have like that second half of his Patriots career. But Gronk was also banged up more than Edelman, so like you've sold me on Edelman. And one big thing with Edelman and like Amendola, Amendola would play into this as well is that I think that having Edelman around and Gronk to some degree as well, obviously, like, allowed Brady to keep having fun on the Patriots. Mm. Where, like, 
if if he didn't have that guy who was like a little bit older from the Bay Area, like looked at as a little brother, like maybe he doesn't have that personal connection with his teammates. Where like like he was taking Edelman and Amendola to Montana on like a family vacation, and like yeah. maybe he doesn't have that connection, and like. I don't know. Maybe he's just not as happy in New England. Maybe he leaves earlier. Yeah. Like maybe he retires earlier. Like something like that. I don't know. I think that that helps as well. That he did. Like that he had a buddy on the team. And like I don't know if they're best buddies or anything like that. Or like I don't know if they're like best friends. But they certainly were like they had that connection. They had that bromance. And I think that Edelman also like he did have that little brother connection with Brady. Where like he could like rip on him a little bit during press yeah. conferences and during media availabilities. And I think that like to some degree that like brought Brady a little bit more down to earth where like it, it made him a teammate rather than maybe where he was in, in Tampa Bay, like this like overarching figure that like no one could touch. I don't know. It's maybe yeah. I'm like thinking too deeply into this, but I do think that that element kind of helped a little bit. No, I think, I think there's a lot that, but there's no right answer. I think there's there's guys. There's probably got probably the entire Patriots defense of 2001. That era right. probably helped sort of indoctrinate him to the way business is done in New England. Yeah. So there's a lot of answers I think uh, that we could go. And it's not just pass catchers necessarily. It's linemen. It's running backs. It's the whole. It's the whole deal. But uh, I, I think Edelman sort of was the catalyst to a lot of that. I mean. Like third and fourteen against the Seahawks in the fourth quarter, down ten. There's not many that could connect, and that's another. One. I came across the top Brady's throws, top Brady throws of his career, and that one was on there. You forgot how much that was a game of chicken between Brady and Bobby Wagner, where <laughs> Brady Wagner's just got the middle of the field, and he had already picked him off earlier, and Brady was like hyper aware of that, and he's just looking and looking and waiting. And waiting, and Wagner's like, I gotta break some way. I gotta break some way. And finally, Brady like kind of looks him one step, and he fires that ball through like a, a, a tissue box size window, and on like a thousand miles an hour because Edelman obviously got popped a split second after. I mean, it was just like those two had something special, and every Super Bowl they were a part of uh, was pretty spectacular. Not counting, not counting 2011, which was uh, kind of a dud. Yeah, I mean, Edelman was also in the second yeah. year, third year of his career and no but if he played defense and... more he played defense in the championship game and they won if he could have played they didn't know they never they didn't let him play defense in the super bowl the the 2011 patriots the the amount of players who played cornerback and safety for that team is, is like one of my favorite things to discuss they, they had hmm. like 20 guys playing in the secondary that year including julian edelman including matthew slater um yeah that was that, that was like one of the worst secondaries of all time. It's incredible that Tom Brady still led the team to the Super Bowl that year. There's like 18 guys with a pass defense that year. From like yes. Kyle Arrington leading the team all the way down to some linebacker. But Nate Jones, a man named Nate Jones, James, James was Sanders, a defensive back. Nate Jones, James Ahedabo, um, Philip Adams, uh, Sergio Brown, Sterling Moore, Antoine Molden, Lee Bodden, Patrick Molden. Chung. Um. Yeah. Quite. Quite. Quite a few players. Uh, not and a that great was team. Before, and that was before they had moved Devin McCourty to free safety. So they were playing cover two with Patrick Chung and a bunch of other slow, strong safeties, and it didn't go well. Um, yeah. So. So maybe. Maybe the Patriots trading for Aqib Talib, allowing Devin McCourty to move permanently to free safety, 
is another uh, important key to the Patriots dynasty and Tom Brady's sure. success. Uh, sure. So Tom Brady now will probably be going to Fox to be yes. a play-by-play announcer. And I have questions about how this is going to go. Um, I, I kind of think that he's going to be like a slightly more personable Troy Aikman, maybe where like, he's definitely not going to be um, Tony Romo. Um, <laughs> Imagine if he is. I know. I oh like, I don't know Kevin. I because I I there's one part of me that thinks he's going to be pretty good at it, just based on how he was when he was on the Manning cast a few years ago. I thought he was pretty strong on that, and it's probably helped that he was talking to Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and everything like that. We'll see how he is with Kevin Burkhart, but like, I don't think he's going to be the best in the NFL at it. But I think that he's gonna I think he's going to be pretty decent. What are your thoughts? A lot of people seem to assume he's going to suck. I don't know. It's he's tough to get a read on in terms of being interesting because his whole plan here behind the microphone was to not be interesting by design. That is what your Have you ever listened to a Mac Jones press conference? That is what the outside of the one Cam Newton year, the quarterback's not supposed to be interesting. It's uh, it's kind of strive for. What the the message is is to eliminate the noise, and that means so to to be out there. Now I've heard other things like that. He he'll be afraid to be negative. He'll be afraid to call out players, and it's like, how often do you hear the color commentator be outwardly and openly like anti-player? <laughs> like they'll right. say, oh, he, he missed the throw, or he's got to yeah. catch that, which I think Brady can do. So I don't know that that's an issue. It's more, can he be interesting and fun? But then I was thinking about this, Doug. Like Troy Aikman makes a ton of money. We all like him. Uh, I think the Buck-Aikman pairing on Monday Night Football added such prestige to the Monday Night Football brand, which had been sort of flailing for the past few years. But you actually listen to him on a like word-for-word granular level, and there's nothing there that's earth-shattering or even eye-opening. It's just sort of, it is, he, he says what happened. So right. it's not the hardest job in the world, and obviously there aren't many people. When you mentioned the Manning cast, I like when it's just Peyton and Eli and they're just yeah. talking football when they have to entertain like little John for 15 minutes, I, yeah. I lose interest. It's not, a, yeah, they're not late night talk show hosts. They're football quarterbacks. So I think he can do it. I think much like most of his career, anyone that hates him and hates his guts uh, will probably continue to do so. But slowly, slowly, but surely I think he's winning a couple fans over just like reading comments on Dan Pompey's the athletic article there was a lot of comments like, man, I spent his whole career hating him, but now I kind of like him. So I think maybe there's some more fans to gain uh, in, the, in that area. Yeah, I agree. And I think that him leaving the Patriots, like for Patriots fans, that obviously wasn't great. But for like the Tom Brady yeah. likability aspect, I think it did kind of help him a little bit. It, it helped the Brady brand to some degree outside of New England uh, so that people don't quite stand him as or can't stand him as much as they used to. Um, I believe that you have a, a, a Greg Olson take that you want yeah. to fire off here. It's just now, listen, when I listen to Greg Olson do a game, I really don't think much about Greg Olson. He's fine at yeah. saying what happened in the game. Twitter makes Greg Olson seem like a cross between Jesus and Fergie. And I just don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm taking, and when you mention to anyone, they look at you with those eyes. Like you just said their religion was wrong. They're just like, you're, are you serious right now? And I just, I don't get all, all the hoopla. And particularly I took issue last week when Devonte Smith dropped a pass 
And Greg Olson's like, I don't know why he's hurrying. He's clearly in bounds. He's in bounds by like four feet. I don't know why he's hurrying back to the line. And they show replays like, you can see he's clearly in bounds. And then they showed another replay. It's like, yeah, he didn't catch it, but you can see he was in bounds. And it's like, Greg, no one's questioning that. So I don't know. Uh, he's fine. I don't, I, everyone, and also is making him out to be this poor Greg Olson is getting demoted because of Brady. It's like, well, that's life in the big city. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I think Greg Olson is fine. I think he's like, he, to me, when I hear Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart, it does not scream mm-hmm. number one booth mm-hmm. on Fox. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it, it would be mm-hmm. like a a good, like it's when who was it? it was Moose Johnston and like who was his partner for all those years? Like it, oh. it's it's that uh, it's like it's a really Stockton? strong number two. Stockton? It might have been yeah, Dick Stockton, Dick uh, Stockton, Moose Johnson, whoever it was. Like I, I, it's a really yeah. strong number two. Um, they were good enough to be the number one this year and everything like that. But like, I do think that there could be an upgrade there. And I, I yeah. think that Tom Brady certainly could serve as that upgrade. Um, yeah. you so, gotta be careful for a yeah. strong number two. You always gotta be careful for a strong number two. Right. Those can sneak up on you. That's that, true. Was, that was a that was a poop joke. That was a poop joke. Sorry. Um, Sorry. No, but you're right. Yeah. Like there isn't that big game feel and we'll see the Super Bowl right. uh, is going to be sort of a big test. And like you said, they're fine. I'm not anti Greg. Ol- no. This is not an anti Greg Olson podcast. It's more of an anti Twitter treating Greg Olson like God's gift to television broadcasting, which right. maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being a crazy person. I don't know. It's possible. It's happened before. It's, it is certainly possible. All right. So there is – do you have any other lingering we're, – we're 37 minutes deep into Tom Brady talk. Do you have any other lingering thoughts on Thomas Brady? I mean, I think we covered it pretty good. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. Like, I think the biggest thing to me, like I mentioned earlier, is closure. And I think Patriots fans deserve that because yeah. for as much as pro sports is a business and as much as all these things happen – if there's you have a heart and you can't you can't shut your heart off and be like well, like people feel things and that's why they pay thousands of dollars to go to games and parking and jerseys and all of that stuff and uh yeah you can have a cookie penny sorry i had a cookie question <laughs> um but yeah i, I think P- patriots fans need the closure they deserve the closure and i think brady probably does too because he left during covid and outside of his one game here hasn't really been back so i think Right. That'll happen, whether that happens this fall or three years down the line. It'll be a big day in Boston. But the Patriots will probably put it off. Like, if things go kind of sour, they might need to get people in the in the building. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. Maybe that's a Do they do a ending. Brady statue, or do they wait to do a Brady-Belichick statue? Hmm. <laughs> I think they both deserve their own statues separately. Yeah. Yeah. But in... in true gif reaction why not both i mean have a have a belly belichick brady one somewhere in the stadium and have a brady one and a belichick one outside the stadium i don't know there, there's room for both there's a lot of land out there they put a skating rink in the parking lot every year like you could you could figure out it should be the biggest that goddamn skating rink yeah and someone i used to have to walk from the parking lot into the media workroom which was already a far walk that goddamn Again, skating rink Again, Doug, the listeners, the sympathy they're feeling for you. They on don't. This they don't get it. They don't get how how much that goddamn skating rink plagued me every winter. It was when it was getting the coldest too. It was when it was the coldest. Yeah, well, that that is lot. that is how skating rinks typically it's ideal do skating function. rink weather. Um, <laughs> don't want it in September. No. 
Uh, so some other news, Adrian Clem, uh, seemingly heading back to Oregon. That's what the Oregon head coach said that he didn't expect any staff changes. Reportedly makes $850,000 as Oregon's offensive line coach and like associate head coach or run game coordinator. Run game coordinator. Yeah. Has. So it seems as though Adrian Clem, uh, will not be coming to new England, which I don't know. I mean, the fact that he was only the Steelers offensive line coach for like two years before leaving, not sure if this is the biggest deal. We'll see how like Ryan Wendell or whoever else they can hire does as offensive line coach. But I'm kind of at the point where like anything's going to be an upgrade over last year. So it's probably mm-hmm. anything's just kind of gravy as far as the offensive line coach goes. Yeah. When I when I saw Clem, when the coach said Clem was coming back, that's when I Googled his salary and saw he made 800000 last year and is due to make 850000 this year. I don't know the details of everyone's contract down in Foxborough or anyone's for that matter, but I can tell right. you – Outside of the offensive coordinator, I don't think anybody's making uh, $850,000 this year. So yeah. that that makes that make – why would you leave that? It's got to be what – the, what are the demands and expectations for Oregon's offensive line coach and, and run game coordinator? So you're right. It, whatever they end up – yeah. I mean, do you, do you take issue – I don't know if it's just like a radio thing with the fact that only people that played or coached – with or under Bill Belichick seemingly have a chance to get these jobs. Like when Ryan Wendell got in, it's like, oh, there's another one, uh, another former Patriot. But if you can do the job, you can do the job. And if you know a guy, you know a guy. So I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. But if you're closing off possible opportunities, that's not a good thing. It is kind of funny that, like, Adrian Clem was involved because, like, he hasn't hasn't played for the Patriots since, like, what, 2003 or four or whatever it is? Four, maybe. He's like, he's a trivia question answer. Who's their first pick in 2000, like, when they had Brady five picks later? So it's not even like that, like, familiarity would necessarily, like, still be fresh on his mind. Where, like, it it is a little bit more with Ryan Wendell since he's played here a little bit more recently, but I don't personally care that much about that. It is just, like, kind of funny, I guess. Um, Ryan Wendell played here after college. Uh, right. in this yes, exactly. Sands of time. After, after everyone's <laughs> college years, uh, 2004 to 2008. The universal um, college years. Jacoby Myers, uh, pretty much on every list, is the top free agent wide receiver. Uh, you, I know we spent a decent amount of time talking about Jacoby Myers last week, but you want to talk about Jacoby Myers a little bit more this week. I And I, you posed a question um of can the patriots just like create another jacoby myers and and i still stick with it's it's hard to do based on what they've done in the past with young wide receivers um and that i'm really torn on what the patriots should do with jacoby myers because as i said last week probably not worth 15 million dollars a year but also not sure where else you're going to get that production based on what other wide receivers are probably going to be available this offseason yeah, it's tough. It's tough because on the one hand, if you were to lay out Jacoby Myers' strengths, it wouldn't be huge gains. It wouldn't be deep balls. Right. It wouldn't be necessarily beating man coverage necessarily as much as it is running the right route, running it to the right place, and being extremely sure-handed, right. which – when you lay it out like that, it's like, well, someone else could do that. But to your point, it hasn't proven to be the case that you can just find a guy that is smart and reliable uh, and is a go-to guy. It's hard to do. And, yeah. and I think if you go – I don't know. He came into the league the same year as uh, another 
receiver, Nikhil Harry, who didn't get any of that. And different player, but with that body, should have been, you know, had some sort of more use and function in the offense, never developed it. You could count all the second rounders. We've done that before, like going back to Brandon Tate and Taylor Price, second and third rounders, I should say. But I don't know. It's it's a, it, it has been a critical role when Tom Brady's been the quarterback. Now that he's not there, maybe you have a different offense. Maybe it maybe it runs differently, and maybe it's not. If you could put that fifteen million toward something else, you might end up being better than we feel about it. I think our mm-hmm. feeling, our initial reaction is, well, you've got to keep Myers and what it costs. It costs, but I don't know. There might be there might be a better way to to spend if if he gets a fifteen million dollar deal for three years. It's going to be hard for him to live up to that. Right. Yeah, especially on another team. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's if he just keeps replicating what he did here already, then like, is that worth $15 million a year? Like if if he was doing that for on like an undrafted, I don't know. That's a that's a bad way of looking at it because obviously he was like outperforming his salary for the last four seasons. Right. But if he doesn't, dramatically improve and suddenly he's making 15 million dollars a year then yeah like and i i am of the opinion that he's probably not worth that much money but i also just know how difficult it is for the patriots specifically to find other wide receivers and i don't think that you can head into next season with your wide receivers being kendrick Bourne, Devontae parker and taekwon thornton like that's not going to work so then do you hope that i do think there's gonna be some movement at wide receiver i think that mike evans is an interesting one that could become mm-hmm. available I don't buy the T Higgins stuff. I think the Bengals will okay. be crazy to um to trade him. But like there's always someone who surprisingly comes available. And I, I don't know. I, I think that there's there's probably someone else out there. But if there's not, and if you can't get someone else, then I do think that you need to bring back Jacoby Myers. Uh I, saw, been some, I saw Brandon Cook yeah. I saw Brandon Cook's uh name on a headline today, which is like He's got to be like 27 by now. Uh, he's been in the league for like 12 <laughs> years. He came in at like 15 years old. Yes. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think that one will happen. But I just. I just want to throw that in there because that guy is just like always perpetually in. Do you want to know how old he actually is? Take a guess. Um, hold on. I'm going to guess that he is 30 years old. He is 29 years old. Like, he was born, was he born in 1993? Yes, September. So he will turn 20 in week three or whatever next year. But yeah. he's been around. He's he's got a billion That's yards. Insane. He gets it's it's it is it is. But uh, that has that is neither here nor there. I want to add one more thing on Myers. Perpetually available, it, Brandon Cooks. Yes, and just always running go routes. I thought he had a good year. here. Fans didn't like him for some reason. Anyways, he did. Um, I, you know what? Jacob- on Brandon Cooks. I don't think he necessarily helped himself out that much with the media. And and like that's not me complaining that Brandon Cooks like didn't say that much to us or like wasn't that great to us, but like there is that is a way to make yourself be liked by the fans is to like be funny or personable or whatever it is mm. with the media. And Brandon Cooks just like straight up did not want to play that game at all that season. Yeah. And I yeah. think that he like I just think that he probably could have helped himself a little bit more. I contend he was going to have a huge Super Bowl because he was like extra pissed that week. Like there was something, and then obviously the concussion. Unfortunate. Right. Did you know that Jacoby Myers in Patriots history ranks 16th in receptions and 21st in receiving yards? I think that's pretty cool for an undrafted player who's been on the team for four years. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. 
that that's pretty amazing. Um, given how long not Patriots not high on the touchdown list. Took him a while to catch no. a touchdown. So he's, he's... <laughs> took him. He did have six last year. Um, there are some uh, contrasting, I guess, reports about Gerard Mayo's potential role with the Patriots. I think Karen Garigian came out today and said that, like, maybe he won't have a new title on staff. Uh, Chad Graff at the Athletics said he wouldn't be surprised if Mayo is named assistant head coach. Um, he said that the plan is for him to be a sounding board for Belichick during every important aspect of the offseason, including deciding whom to hire on staff and whom to pursue in free agency. Um, I like title of Bill, Bill Belichick has like made such a big deal over the years of like titles don't matter that I think that both of those things kind of could be true where like he yeah. has a much bigger role, but like you're still calling him a co-linebackers coach on the defense, you know? Yeah. I wonder if it's sort of an understanding that he'll have a, a lot more roles. I hate to say it again, but the, the McDaniels open the world up thing from 2018 uh, with the understanding that if maybe a couple years of doing that with a pay raise, when it comes time for Mayo to have head coaching opportunities, even if it's next year, the endorsement from New England will be that much stronger because maybe it's not the best example, but Joe Judge got his Giants job because Belichick gave him the full endorsement. Guys right. have gotten their job when Bill Belichick, when they, you know, consult, hey, what what should we hire this guy? And he's being honest. Maybe maybe if you put in the amount of work that Mayo's about to put in, the the endorsement is that much more ringing, I guess. But I don't know. I, I think there is just the tricky hierarchy set up naturally when the son of the head coach is peers sort of with the guy you're talking about. Where right. if if Steve Belichick had more defensive coaching responsibilities, it wouldn't make sense to make Mayo the defensive coordinator, but then assistant head coach is higher than that maybe but right. maybe not it's, it's like a, it's know. like a workaround to make the staff work kind of yeah so probably not long term but we don't know what belichick's yeah. long-term plans are right um do you have any thoughts on the shrine bowl because yeah big i feel shrine like bowl guy. <laughs> i know i know that it's tonight um so if anything crazy happens in the shrine bowl if troy brown puts forth the most impressive head coaching performance of all time we're not covering that right now. Um, I would say maybe it was just because there wasn't actually a lot of media, like Patriots reporters down there in Vegas. I was expecting maybe a little bit more news coming out of the Shrine Bowl, given the Patriots' presence there. And there, quite frankly, hasn't been a lot. There, there was a headline that I thought was funny that, like, the whatever team they're are they coaching the east or the west or whatever it is i would assume the east they're the west they're the west okay the west that makes sense um coaching (laughs) coaching the west like that the west's offense had a really bad practice or something i was like good lord this has been going on since this the spring of 2022 and and nothing's changed the patriots still can't coach an offense in practice what the hell uh but i don't know i just i'm just kind of surprised by the lack of uh news that's coming out of vegas there yeah, I will say on the prospect front, I am soured by the entire draft process after, you know, it's a whole industry and you've got to put in a lot yeah. of work and you've got to do a lot of research and you've got to do a lot of uh, as much film as you can watch, as much reading as you can do. And you put it all in and then draft night comes and they draft a guard out of Tennessee Chattanooga and you're like, damn it, like, what? why did I do all that? So yeah. I I am trying to peel back the the 
overhyping and it's not like anyone anyone that does it it's fine it's their prerogative but i'm trying to to work against all of that like watch these 19 defensive ends in the shrine bowl and the senior bowl it's just all right if you want to do it but i'm kind of turned off by it because of that like i think belichick kind of takes pride in like when he drafted joe cardona in the fourth round is kind of like did anyone have that on your mock drafts I just think there's an element that makes me sort of say, all right, you know what? We'll we'll catch up. We will catch up when the picks are made. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of do my own different thing for the draft as, as it's related to the Patriots or like put together spreadsheets and try to figure out like based on measurables who the Patriots are going to take just because like mm-hmm. there's a lot of prospects. I don't know if you know this, but there's like there's like five, six, seven hundred, probably even more than yeah. that prospects. Like I'm I'm not going to watch every single one of them. And like, like yeah. ninety nine point nine 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 percent of human beings aren't going to do that, and part of that point zero 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 one percent is probably lying about having watched all those prospects. Uh, yeah. So not me. I just I can't I I don't want to tackle it in like a fractional way and be like I'm going to watch fifty guys because then they're going to draft Cole Strange or even like Isaiah Wynn. when they drafted Isaiah Wynn in the first round. That was not something that had ever crossed my mind during that entire draft prospect uh, process that they were going to take Isaiah Wen because I thought that he was a guard. And then they just decide one day that he was going to be a tackle in the NFL. So there is an element of that. That's a waste of time. Um, I, and these all-star games are also like, you're only seeing one aspect of these players and like yeah. credit to people who are grinding out there and practice and watching it. Like I was at the senior bowl last year and I was just kind of like, yeah, I'll watch this, but that's not really what I'm going to be doing at the senior bowl. Like I'm going to be trying to talk to people and like do other things. And like the watching prospect practice aspect of it was not all that interesting or valuable to me. Um, So yeah. 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 That's, that's my thoughts. I, I will say that the, what I enjoyed from this week's shrine bowl coverage, the most came, both of them came from Chad Graff of the athletic. Um, He did a sort of what I've, what I've noticed I'm going to start with his last point, <laughs> which was that uh, Bill O'Brien is just apparently lurking in the shadows just to scream at people when they mess up, which I find <laughs> hilarious. So it was a tidbit. Uh, Illinois quarterback Tommy DeVito did something wrong, and he didn't even realize who was yelling at him during a drill. Here's the quote. He was, like, dressed in disguise. He had a hat on, big jacket. I couldn't really see his face, and this dude is just screaming. At first, I was like, who is this guy? Then he got up close, and I was like, oh, that's Bill O'Brien, and it kind of made sense. They are very intense, aggressive coaches. I just love the idea of like a pissed off Bill O'Brien just kind of like pacing around, like I gotta, I gotta. What are you doing? What are you? What are you doing? It's just like, what is it to you, Bill O'Brien? I love that. Uh, so that that was one thing I loved. And then the other thing is, uh, Chad Graff reported that the Patriots coaches have been grinding in Las Vegas, like eighteen-hour days. So they're working the practice, and then they have to grind film. From that practice, then they got to, you know, do their normal draft preparation, studying film, breaking down prospects, all that, which is a lot. When you're in Vegas, too, there's sort of the added it's Las Vegas thing. Whereas uh, Chad contrasted that with Arthur Smith telling all of his coaches to, like, enjoy your time. Enjoy (laughs) Vegas. Uh, This is off season. Uh, Arthur Smith and his wife went to a show, according to that report. And I just find it funny where it's just like, man. They must have some fun conversations in the break room or whatever when, you know, the, the Falcons wide receivers coach is talking to, like, Vinny Sinceri or, like, Ross Douglas. Just like, so what would you do last night? It's like, oh, I grinded film on uh, 
Southern Illinois left tackle. Uh, he's no good. I wasted my time. Like, yeah, it's just got to it, be pretty amazing. It's going to be awkward if the West loses tonight. And and if you're listening True. to this, you're going to know before we do. But it's it, yeah. it'll be awkward if after all that work, the West still loses. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, I guess um, if we do want to throw a prospect, like Zay Flowers seems to be the one everyone's all mm-hmm. excited about. So at least there's that. What is your take? Because I saw Twitter discourse that I'm not – I'm not deep in the in the senior all-star game type thing, but the senior bowl obviously being the bigger one, mm-hmm. many people are saying, well, what kind of prospect is he if he's playing the Shrine Bowl? But then other mm-hmm. people say, well, he committed to the Shrine Bowl before he got the senior bowl invite, so he didn't break the commitment. I don't know, Doug. There's some there's some maybe some juice to the Shrine Bowl because of that. Could be. It's on the rise. Juicy. The Shrine Bowl is on the rise. Um, good for Zay Flowers. I think Evan Lazar said, like, maybe you could sneak in the first round. I don't really know what Zay Flowers' draft stock is. I, I do think that sometimes players get a little bit overhyped at these All-Star games, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like, Christian Watson entering last year's Senior Bowl was viewed as, like, a seventh-round pick, and then he had a good Senior Bowl, had a good combine, and he was a second-round pick yeah. and, like, one of the best rookie wide receivers mm-hmm. this entire season. So sometimes there is some juice to that. Sometimes you can pick up some tidbits – uh, Tommy Two DeVito, things. by the way, all time, all time name. That's like a character out of like uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the one that came to mind. What was the uh, uh, what was the Four Seasons musical that came out? Um, uh, not sure. Uh, Jersey Boys. That's like a name straight okay. out of Jersey Boys <laughs> or Goodfellas or The Godfather or whatever. But Tommy DeVito, all time name right there. I think it's more like when you're 25 years in your Madden franchise and you just need a quarterback. <laughs> it's just like T. DeVito, overall 68. You're like, damn it, this guy sucks. Um, Zay Flowers, two things. One, uh, this is a highly high level draft analysis. If you can produce at Boston College, you are yep. one hell of a wide receiver. So it's true. I, I I would be high on him. And second, I learned this week that he's 5'9, 180, hmm. as am I. So same body. Ooh. Uh, wow. Zay Flowers. We get confused a lot. People are like, is that Zay Flowers? star receiver out of boston college i say no i'm a blogger but i get that a lot so same same muscular build and all that so same same thing we are gonna get out of here soon uh but you we did have some other notes Devin mccourty reportedly underwent shoulder surgery and on the same side of that same coin i guess or the other side of that same coin uh it's been reported that matthew slater has been hanging around the facility a lot this year so just kind of curious to see what happens to both those guys based on Mm. one guy having shoulder surgery one guy being around the facility maybe you put the chances of matthew slater being back a little bit higher or maybe he just like takes on a different role in the team or something like that but uh certainly interesting to see what happens to both those guys this offseason yeah, it is interesting. I, I have a feeling McCourty's done because he's been talking about retirement since Super Bowl 53. Right. Um, and he's been highly paid, and that's probably kept him. And there's there's got to be a balance. Like, if you're talking shoulder rehab and then going out there and hitting in July, it's right. a lot. It's it's yeah. a lot to go through. And I think he's earned that as, as the most durable player I think we'll ever see. Uh, a guy who missed maybe 100 snaps in his career. You know, he's unbelievable durability. Um, so I would guess he's done. And you mentioned a good thing about Slater. I could see him being like, I, I hate to bring up like team chaplain because of the, Eastern no, Coast, I mean, it, yeah, that's the logical chaplain, one. A spiritual yeah. leader and like an assistant strength and conditioning coach. I think he'd be a good guy to have in the weight room. Right. Matthew Slater. People don't realize this. Matthew Slater is jacked. Matthew yes. Slater is a brick house of human. Yeah. Like, so I, I could see him just wanting to hang around, but maybe not the full grind of, NFL life. He's made quite yeah. a bit of money covering punts and kicks. So 
I could see that, which we've talked about before, uh, does cut into the fabric of the franchise, but that's, oh, for sure. that's life. Life moves on. Uh, you had some other notes in here in our notes. Uh, you're being shadow banned on Twitter. What's going on here? So like this week, I've had the least amount of Twitter interaction I've ever had in my life. And I actually pulled off a rare feat. And it just doesn't happen because I don't know bots. At least I'll get a bot like. I had a tweet with zero likes, zero retweets, zero replies, <laughs> which uh, granted it wasn't a good tweet. It was Elvis parentheses 2022. And it was a clip of Jess from New Girl performing as Elvis at a funeral. Um, it was a hilarious tweet. But usually you get a sympathy like or something, nothing. But I will say I broke it. I broke the system. And actually I, oh, saw, a, I saw a New York Times tech reporter say that he did think something was amiss with Twitter's yeah. mechanisms that were leading to less interaction engagement. So I'm in the clear there, but I tweeted a, a traffic question tonight on Twitter. Um, oh, yeah, I, I saw that. So it has uh, it has engagement. I will say that. That's and good. everyone responding is 100% convinced that they are correct. It's a traffic who has the right away question. Right. And um, I think that that is why I asked the questions, because as an observer on that road every day, I see some big time 100% confidence uh, from both lanes. And it leads to some issues. And luckily, I haven't seen any crashes, but it's only a matter of time. I, I go to Mike's Twitter, check out the traffic. I like at first, I was thinking that the person in the left-hand lane had the getting right off of way the because highway. Like, like typically, typically, I feel like like left-hand lane has the right of way um, in most situations. But the fact that the right-hand lane is like the road that the left-hand lane is merging onto, like, does make me think that it's probably the right-hand lane that has the right of way i feel it's the right-hand lane because you're on a road and someone is entering it right yeah but theoretically the car coming off the highway has a higher rate of speed maybe the, the way that they solve oh, this yeah. is to just have a sort of extra wide lane for a couple hundred right. feet and just sort of like ah, yeah, they'll, they'll figure, figure it out, out. Yeah. i say throw a yield sign one way or the other and then you solved it but i don't know it's tricky i guess you can't necessarily straight up yield on a throughway, right? Because then you have people stopping, which creates another issue. So there's, there's, uh, it's they should work that out. I would, I would close that lane. Personally, did you ever drive through asked. Kelly Square in Worcester? No, but I've heard about that. That's a famous one. I would. It's there's a few. They've like they've fixed it a little bit now because that's where Polar Park is and everything. But like, I remember a few years ago, it was the first time that I could recall driving through there. And you're just like, you're just like figuring it out as you go along, being like all right, I'm just going to keep going. And if I keep going, then there's not going to be an issue. And like, I'm just going to pretend that I have the right of way no matter what I'm doing. Yeah, it was, that, that was a big mess. Um, there's a few like that. One being, I, I would encourage everyone to go on Google Maps and just do an aerial view of Wellington Circle in Medford. You look <laughs> at it and you're like, human beings designed this? This looks like <laughs> my child like bashed a keyboard in some sort of data program and this is what came out. It's an absolute nightmare. And then the other one, there's a traffic circle near the IHOP in Brighton. It's like North Beacon Street and Soldiers Field Road. It's yeah. got like six different entryways and exit points right. and like nine lanes at one point. Oh, yeah. It shouldn't be that hard. But, I mean, no. if you do it often enough, but if you stumble into one of those places, you are in big trouble. On on your Twitter note, I was like I, – I get a lot of tweet notifications sent to my phone. Uh, I have Tom Brady's tweets sent to my phone. So I was like – I was the second person that I saw tweet that Tom Brady was retiring. It was Ari Mayrov, who's usually on top of these type of things. And then I believe I was the second person. And my tweet, quote tweeting Tom Brady's video, saying Tom Brady is retiring, 
only has 10 retweets and 126 likes and only 20.7 thousand people saw that like i was like yeah. wow i'm really early on this and i was like i was like minutes before Schefter or rapaport and i don't know like how many patriots people have put it out there yet but i was like wow like I, this clearly did not hit the for you page or whatever it was on most people's timelines i think that's what it is i think the for you yeah. calculation i think for a while I might have mentioned this before. Again, I don't listen to this podcast. I don't even pay attention. I might have said it before that I was getting more interaction from the For You tab from people that don't follow me. Right. But I think what it is is you get less interaction from the people that actually follow you. Right. And it's been noticeable this week. I have felt a shadow ban type thing where it's just like nothing's connecting with the people. And that's our job is to connect with the people with content. So uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty significant, I think. So fix it, Elon. We you you have three other notes on here. Do you feel strongly about touching on any of them now that we're over an hour? Yes. Um, the Pro Bowl games are coming up. Yep. I think they're going to be very boring, and anyone that watches them, I feel bad for. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. It's kind of weird that it's the same night as the Shrine Bowl too, right? Well, I think the big ones are Sunday. I don't know. The oh, only okay. one I want to watch is Longest Drive because I like watching golf. Really, that's mm. has nothing to do with football. Um, my other note, I think 80 for Brady. It, it comes out Friday, February 3rd. I think there's probably going to be a lot of Oscar buzz, even though Clearly. you're going to have to wait a year for the. Usually, like you want to release your Oscar bait later, but magic yeah. is magic, and it happens when it happens. It's rare. It's a Super Bowl movie around the Super Bowl, so probably best actress, uh, probably best actor Gronk, probably they, best. They're really play. letting it simmer here, uh, you know, for for a whole year before Oscars. I will say, yeah. f- fifty-two reviews, sixty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score, fewer than 50 verified ratings, 100%. So you might Hell be yeah. onto something here. Hell yeah. So the, the, the Oscar buzz is real. And then yep. my last point, uh, Kyle Shanahan, the harbinger of doom, said that Jimmy G is done in San Francisco. So yep. I feel like in New England, we're, we're going to keep tabs on Jimmy wherever he might end up. i just not sure what the future holds for a guy who's missed so much time and has been like a handsome Kirk Cousins. Uh, but he'll well, find a job. With Nick Cayley uh, reportedly interviewing Houston. for the Houston Texans offensive coordinator position, I think that like makes Houston a potential destination for Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. Obviously, Las Vegas would be a potential destination there. Um, where did, I've heard Miami. Where did like, Fl- yeah, that'd be uh, certainly a better backup. Yeah, I, I just because Tua maybe with the injury situation. But right. if you want to back up a potential injury with another potential injury, right? The 49ers, as you know, went through 15 quarterbacks this year. Found so. out that was not the greatest uh, solution to their issues. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, Mike LaFleur went Texans. to the Rams, didn't he? Uh yes. So maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. Yeah. Either Jets way, Jets could still it, uh, be a possibility. That would be good for business. I think that yeah. that's the end of story. Jimmy G to the Jets. It's happening. You heard it here first. Uh, one final non sequitur. You've talked about Metallica a lot uh, in private yeah. with me. I think you're going to their 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 show at some point um, in the future. A quick correction. I'll be going to their shows, plural, and those will be taking place in August of 2024. So I'm booked good a couple Lord. nights. 2024? Listen, I don't want to talk about it. It just, it, I got sucked in. I was still affected by the Taylor Swift buying situation. I was like, I gotta, I just gotta get them and we'll figure it out. So, it, you know what? I get to see what's, Metallica twice in a weekend. What's your favorite Metallica album? Um, probably Death Magnetic, followed by Reload. Here we go. No, it's Master, it's Master of Puppets. I think Master of Puppets is the rare 
perfect album. Like there are perfect albums out there, and that's one of them. That is one where it came out in February of '86, yeah. which was 37 years ago, almost to mm-hmm. the day. And people still come out with albums. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you bothering doing that? And that includes Metallica themselves. So I'm a master. Well, of you know what? Master guy. of Puppets would have been in college during those college years. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. I have lived the same exact life as Master of Puppets, so maybe that's why we connect. But yeah, and then uh, Load gets a lot of crap, but I was 10 years old when Load came out, and MTV yeah. made such a huge deal of it. And you know what it was. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you weren't an MTV guy. But like growing up, I was. when MTV made a big deal of something, like you it was a big deal. were their puppet. And so right. it was like I, I got into it with Load. Now, Reload probably could have pocketed that one, thrown like three songs mm-hmm. on Load. But it, it yeah. is what it is. But I, I still, uh, I still get down with load. What song did they? They played a song at Boston Calling last year, that was so out of left field, that I feel like, am I the only one enjoying this? Um, <laughs> was it a reload song? It, I'm, give me a second. I will figure it out. Um, but yeah, that's that answers your question. I think. I this this might be like the this might be a crazy answer. I might be like an an idiot for saying this, but I actually think that. I think Kill 'Em All might be my favorite Metallica oh, album. Just, you like thrash sort of punk. Yeah, metal. I'm like it's like the pretentious thing because I, I probably go. I probably like go Kill 'Em All. Got big man, I got. Like I probably go Kill 'Em All, then Ride the Lightning, then Master of Puppets, then I don't know. I like Black. I might I might actually go Black Album before Injustice for All. Mm. Um, songs in, on Injustice for All, a little bit too long for my liking at times. Yeah. Yeah. The lack of a bass is kind of weird on yeah. that album too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that that'll be my list. The song that they played third at Boston Calling was "The Memory Remains," and I'm like, Ooh. didn't have that on my on my bingo card, but it was enjoyable. But um, there's certain song like you mentioned the Black Album. Like, I went to the Patriots Ravens playoff game '09, uh, the Ray Rice mm-hmm. disaster. Um, oh. They played. Uh, excuse me. The, the most popular Metallica song of all uh, time. Enter Sandman. They played Enter Sandman before every kickoff. <laughs> and it was like, I can never listen to this song again. Like, it was already <laughs> at that level. It's like, this is like, they played it like 28 times. So there's certain songs that are just beyond wallpaper. But yeah, uh, Ride the Lightning was my alarm clock in my CD alarm clock in high school, which was Ooh. 2000 to 2004, as yeah. we know, for everybody. Yeah, for everyone. Um, so I love Ride the Lightning, but so much of it reminds me of waking up in high school oh. that you can't erase those memories. No. So that's my bad. I beefed it. I, I would also say that Ride the Lightning had the best album cover, and I think that's somewhat important. I think that's Master the Puppets album is good cover. too. Master Puppets is good. There's just like there's something about the the brightness of Ride the hmm. Lightning that yeah. that just no, really appeals to me. It's rock and roll. It's metal. Yeah, Kill 'Em All not as good of an album cover as. Uh, Ride the Lightning or Master Puppets. How did they I make album on. covers back then? Like, I don't even understand technology. Like, it was like a ransom note. You'd like cut out letters. Yeah. With, I don't know. You didn't have Photoshop. And paper. You had to do something. It's crazy. Yeah. Good All right. Well, we've talked so about you, the Patriots. Yeah. If you want to come, Metallica. August 2024 at Gillette Stadium, I'll be down there twice. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants to plan Friday and Saturday. 2024 is absurd. Like, why? I don't understand. I would say my biggest concern is they do Instagram videos like trying to sell stuff or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, these guys are looking kind of old. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to see them in 18 months from now. But it's all right. We're going to do it. It's going to be my farewell to Metallica because they're going to be in their 60s. I'm not going to want to see them after that. I'm fine yeah. with it. I've, I've come around on what I paid for it. Money's fake. 
if you do it monthly in your head, it's basically free. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. It's a cup of coffee. If you do it every day, then it's less than a cup of coffee. Yeah. You're good. I'm basically getting paid to go to Metallica twice every weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later. Once again, I forgot to tell you guys to um, rate, subscribe, (laughs) (laughs) leave a review. Um, I I did. There was someone who left a review on uh, Spotify who said that this show is like hearing your college friends talk about sports, which was a really nice review. But I also uh, said this to you already. You must add some real like loser college friends if if we're if we're like your college friends. Yeah, you said it to me. I'm like, oh, man, it would be so cool to have friends. That would be so sick. <laughs> I'd love that. So I, I I take that one to heart. I appreciate that. It's like I yeah. could be a friend. I could be a you friend. You could be. Someone. Exactly. I'm not, but I could be. No. But you could be. It's it's like you're that guy's friend. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later. Um bye.